This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Okay, so we're going to move into a new space in time right now. We're going to move into the night. Some 3,500 years ago, humans engineered control of fire. It's actually quite complicated. Um, there was a huge caloric gain from food because f- f- um, cooked food makes many more calories available. Protection from predators. But what's most interesting about it is humans extended the day by four or five hours to become the shortest sleepers of all primates. Um, and the time that gained was economically unproductive. No more calories were going in. Nothing was happening economically. And yet the physical changes in circadian rhythms um, were enormous to extend the day. And there were some very major impacts on health from reduction in melatonin and other things. So there were costs. So the question is, why? You know, why did this, why was this selected for? Why didn't we just go to sleep? So um, what I'm going to suggest here is that Firelight opened a new time and space for the imagination and for the arts. Um, There's the wonderful quote from a German writer, nobody sees anything in the night, everybody sees something in the night. Um, So this is the night is often the time of the imagination, if I would define the imagination for this talk as the ability to form mental images of something not present to the senses and never wholly perceived in reality. So what transpires by day and night? Why do firelight hours matter? Well, this is not so easy to find out, but I became very interested among this, among the Junquasi Bushmen of um, Botswana and Namibia. These are a group of people who live by hunting and gathering. They utilize about 100 plant species, 30 animal species, and in the hard times of year, they even have to gather water. The only water they get is from melon or from roots. And they live in very small camps of 25 to 40 people with egalitarian structure, age hierarchy, and recognized camp leaders. Um, So the interaction, the scale of interaction in everyday life is very, very small. And yet they have these incredibly sophisticated um, social institutions. And the question is, when you live on a postage stamp, you know, how do you see the big picture? So that was my question, to see what happens in the day and the night Here are some of the cultural institutions that they they have, complex kinship systems defining both biological and imaginary or fictive kin. These systems are so complicated that I, after 30 years of working there, am still trying to figure them out. Um, Rules for widespread food sharing. They have arranged marriage and elaborate marriage rights, sophisticated systems of land tenure, Transhealing in an unbelievable communication with the spirit world, and then networks of harrow exchange, widespread access to the resources of others. People move around. We'll see this. So what happens at day and night? That was my question. Um, and with data in 1974, I collected um, information on day and night conversations with groups of five or more adults 
longer than 15 to 20 minutes. And then 2011 and 2013, I collected the full stories and had them transcribed and translated by a team of Jeune who are now working with laptops and sending me the most amazing emails. Um, all the gossip comes through by email now. Um, so the day talk, which is really interesting, is that topics of um, conversation are largely practical, economic issues and planning, an enormous amount of complaint and criticism as people get on to each other's case gossip. And people say, well, gossip maintains social norms. But in fact, I found 30 to 40% of the gossip was just total bullshit. You know, <laughs> it was constructed for social strategies. And so you can see that. Um, that was the day. And then there's the switch to the night. All day long as an anthropologist, people are onto my case to give me things, to give them things, to help with things. At the night, that's off limits. Everything mellows off, and I don't get a single demand. Um, Isaac Dennison, or Karen Blixen, wrote, At times, I believe that my feet have been set upon a road which I shall go on following, and that slowly the center of gravity of my being will shift over from the world of the day, from the domain of organizing and regulating universal powers, into the world of the imagination, with the coming of the dusk, with the lighting of the first star and the first candle. And that's the transition you feel. So I looked at nights of 36 nights in four camps. Eight nights were singing, music singing, gathering together. Six nights were trance healing dances. And most nights were conversation and storytelling. And that's where I um, recorded the conversations. And the, the results were quite astounding. All you really need to do is look at the orange here. Um, oh, actually, the, the print is pretty big. But you can see, in the day, there are a few stories, economic complaint. At night, people get off each other's cases, and they mostly sit around and tell stories and come together. And... So the mood's mellow when the sun set, and I can tell you it's very harsh in the day because it's a sharing economy and people are always mad that he gave that to her and not to me. And people gather around single fires to talk and to story. They talk about their own experiences or those of others in a very entrancing, transing, compelling rhythmic language. The li listeners are stunned with suspense, rolling with laughter, close to tears. And emotions are synchronized because everybody is relating to the same story. Um, and the people they talk about are often people who are 200 kilometers away. And they bring that person right to the hearth. So, so delicious are the details of the story. And, but the storytelling, what I'm going to suggest here is that it gives the big picture of society. Good storytellers transmit visions of social institutions that are imaginary, like kinship system, exchange systems. And they're not present to the senses. They're never wholly perceived in reality. But the people, the few people, like this old lady, who can put stories together to imagine the big picture of society and tell about it, they become very influential. These are the organizers and the mediators who have this skill. And this is an example of Harrow Exchange. This is an exchange of gifts where people choose partners up to 200 kilometers away. That longest line there is 200 kilometers. 
And this is a social security system, so they keep exchanging gifts, and the underlying relationship is when you're in trouble, I'll help you. You can come live with me. And when, when I'm in trouble, you can come live with me. So that is, is the exchange. The average person has about 15 or 16 of these partners, and they usually spend about two or three months a year living with these partners. This old lady is wearing all her gifts to advertise herself because she's trying to marry off her grandson, and she's showing how well-connected she is. Um, and then we have, there are stories that give the big picture of regional gatherings, harrow exchange, and kin relations. And the one story I collected, for, it was from the 1940s, of six bands coming together at a particularly um, good time of year to harvest marima beans, and this story goes on for pages, and the relations between the bands are described, and the complex um, relation, kinship relations are described. Everybody named would tell how they are related to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And um, this gives you an idea of the area from which people came for this gathering. The whole thing would be about, oh, two, three hundred kilometers um, north-south, and this is sort of an excerpt um, from the story. Different people were there. Some were there from the Mungau Isab Valley and some narrow from the further south. Some from the Nguanglasi where there was, is a forest with lots of cumbridum trees. The northern people were there also. They were called Kwesi, also came. The owners of Nguangla also came. So they, and then they tell how everyone is related. The story... And this is a story put together from many that she had heard because she was a little girl when this happened. And then they describe what happened at the gathering. This goes on for pages. She got the other skin apron and gave it to my late grandmother, Nga She took out another skin apron and gave it to her aunt, the late Nisa Nga. And then she gave out more gifts. And then it was the beginning of gift giving. He, Kashe Nga, tried to pull the beaded headband on his head, but it didn't fit. So he took it off his head and gave it to my granny, and gave other things to her. And this goes on and on and on. Um, so. And you don't only have stories, but for the other form of arts, you have gifts. So that these partnerships of mutual obligation are marked by gift exchange. Beautifully made, artistically made gifts. And these gifts represent relationships, but they also carry stories of who gave them to whom. They go through long chains of giving. So, you know, they, they, they create these huge networks, so each gift would have a history in stories. And then another example would be in marriage. You don't see many marriage. When you live in a small band of 25 people, you may see a few in your lifetime. And they're infrequent, but the, the procedures are elaborate. They're arranged. And um, usually the girl is married around 13 and rejects the man and makes a big fuss. And these stories are hilarious of old ladies telling about how they rejected their husband and ran away and destroyed the wedding gifts. And this prepares young people for marriage, knowing that the first years are going to be kind of rough. <laughs> and that they'll get used to them. And then parents also learn, you know, of all the case studies of marriage told in stories and they know how to manage them. Okay, the, the other thing which is people um, do trance healing in which the women sit and clap all night and sing and the men 
the trans healers travel to the spirit world where they negotiate with the spirit, asking the spirits not, asking them not to take people away, to leave them on earth, that they love them, giving everyone preventive medicine. And um, in these stories, the trans healers at night will tell about how far they traveled. I mean, I was once telling people how about we're sending men to the moon, and there's an old guy who looked at me and said, been there. (laughs) So um, this is, you know, you can imagine. So the transfers then, in telling the stories, connect people with a shared cosmology, a shared sense of the spirit world, a shared sense of what causes misfortune. So sort of to wrap up, then day, night, and imagination. So the day you have economics, technology, nitty-gritty of social relations. Um, The night, the stories are about imagined roles, rules, communities that are not tangible or physically coherent in time and space. So they're imagining society in their social institutions. They also imagine, as, as change comes, you know, they can also imagine, they can innovate and imagine changes as well. Um, and then stories stimulate imaginations to construct the big picture of social institutions and relations. And very, very importantly, um, because we have theory of mind, because we can read what other people are thinking, they really make people imagine the thoughts and the feelings of others, that you can really understand that people feel differently about things. And um, it brings a lot of understanding into it, and people put themselves in other people's shoes in the stories because they're so emotionally laden. Laden is incredible. So essentially what I found in this study is that the evening hours provide a space for the arts and for the imagination. Um, and the arts would include also music, dance, and stories. And does this happen beyond the Kalahari? We've moved up to the Arctic now. Um, yes, hunter, these kinds of stories are told in all hunter-gatherer societies at night. If you look through the human relation area files, there are 38 mentions of sanctioning gossip. None of them is at night. They're all in the day. For 60 hunter-gatherer societies, information on stories, songs, healing, and ceremonies is in, is in the files. And of course, as we all know, we do hunt and gather stories through theater, film, recording, literature, to feed our imaginations. I mean, we really are as addicted as anybody. So to end then, I just want to ask this question. I often think about that. What is in our society the impact of checking the phone, flipping off the light switch, with no time for the imagination to explore, to ponder, and to position events and relationships of the day in the past, present, and future? And so, and these are thanks to my, to my co-workers. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.